At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Hey, what's up guys, welcome back. So we got Ben Poole, AKA HVAC Tactical. If you guys are on Instagram, you guys will probably know HVAC Tactical, and Ben's an awesome guy, and we had a conversation many weeks ago about him getting on the podcast to discuss the systems he was installing at his business basically dual fuel systems and zoning and we get into a conversation about how to capture potentially the higher end customers that's a conversation all in itself we don't get into it too much but we kind of touch on it as well so guys listen up this is a really good conversation with ben how he runs his business, the kind of systems he installs, and how he goes about getting it done. So let's go. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group. And listen, I received an email from a rep from iFlow. Basically, they make hydronic coils, and they seem to be an up-and-coming trend when they're installed along with heat pumps to get by on those really, really cold days if the heat pump just can't keep up if it's like minus... 30 or something outside, whatever, right? And that's C, minus 30 C. iFlow is sold at the master group. I did not know this until I was told through the, the email and the rep. So hydronics, master group go hand in hand as well. And they got a, a whole division for hydronics as well. So pretty cool. So check out master.ca. Cintas has been in the uniform game for many, many years, providing uniforms to blue collar trades workers for like 90 years. It's crazy how long they've been around for. And they're a big player in the industry. They got this Comfort Flex Pro brand that I've received some samples of, and it's very, very comfortable. It stretches, it's breathable, and from what I'm told, allows you to go down two sizes in pants, which is pretty cool in itself. So if you want to check more of this stuff out, you want to provide some uniforms to your your fleet, check out Cintas. There's a landing page that you can hit up. It's Cintas.com forward slash HVAC Know It All. So C-I-N-T-A-S dot com forward slash HVAC Know It All. Check them out, guys. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Ben, what's happening, man? How are you? Living the dream. How are you, man? Same living the dream like <laughs> hey nightmares are also dreams you got to remember yeah. that yes they are yeah but uh, um somebody's living the dream might as well be me yeah that's right so i think before we get started i because i'm probably going to post a clip of this on social media i didn't really know this until recently but pineapples are uh if you're a swinger pineapples your symbol and i'm wearing a pineapple shirt and i just don't want everybody to think on social media that i'm um I'm a swinger because I'm not. Well, that's a word on the street, though. 
that's <laughs> what <laughs> that pineapple's a, the the symbol or, or i'm a swinger that you're a swinger that's what i heard oh, okay the well, yeah i don't know who, who you've been talking to <laughs> yeah pineapples and, and uh flamingos that's right and then the other thing is i threw this hat on just for you man the hvac tactical hat oh, that's awesome i appreciate that no problem so you and i haven't discussed anything on a podcast before this is your first time on this podcast so welcome man like yeah i appreciate it's, you it's having awesome. me man yeah it's appreciate it's it. incredible having you here and we you and i have talked on the phone we've talked through messaging for a couple of years now and i mean you seem like a solid guy who's got some a good grasp on what you're doing with with your business and and with the hvac tactical thing and and it's just awesome to see you in the in the trades and in instagram and being a positive influence on people around you how, how do you feel about how do you feel about tackling that positivity and and, and just kind of shedding it to others uh, i mean it's definitely it's in my wheelhouse for sure you know i'm always the uh look at the half glass you know half full kind of guy mm-hmm. so you know you can walk into some pretty big shit storms uh and i'm just the guy who's always like we got this dude you know yeah it sucks but you know we'll yeah. get through it we'll get through it mm-hmm. so yeah i'm, I'm kind of that way too i i i feel you on that and uh, it's like, no matter what happens in the day, man, as long as you got your health, you're, you're still able to walk and work and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's always a good day in that respect, I find. It can, oh, no matter how bad it gets, just remember, it can always be worse. It can. You are 100% right. So I wanted to also congratulate you on the success you had with the HVAC Tactical Awards. I mean, this was the second go-around this year in Vegas. And I thought it was incredible. The dinner you put together, the awards, the swag and everything is, there was a lot of buzz and a lot of talk about it, man. So congrats on that. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That wasn't all me though. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been done at all without the team behind it. And that was, uh, a lot of other people, but, uh, solder weld in particular stepped up to the plate to really help with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lance. I th- didn't Mike Mayberry call him like the best looking guy in HVAC or something like that? <laughs> it doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Cool, man. Well, okay, so let's move on to what we're here to talk about. And I think it's it's a pretty valid topic right now. And that is dual fuel systems. Because you and I talked, I don't even know how the conversation came up. But I remember dual fuel. Uh, this sounds like an awesome podcast. Let's do it. And this was like, I don't know. This is like a couple of months back, right? Yeah, and, I think you um, did a post, and I just commented something about it, and yeah, were like yeah, dude, we should do a podcast on that. Yeah, that's probably that's the way most of my podcasts usually end up happening. That's how magic happens, man. <laughs> that's right. So, dual fuel, man. Tell us about tell us about these dual fuel systems that you're putting in. Well, ultimately, dual fuel. Um, I guess a lot of different guys have different terminology of what they use to describe these systems. But basically this is a heat pump with a gas fired furnace. That's, that's what we refer to as a dual fuel or a hybrid system, whatever, whatever, whatever fancy word you want to come up with for it. Um, but for us, we use a lot of dual fuel out here because I do a lot of zoning and, um, I like to have the flexibility of having the variable capacity on both ends of the spectrum for both heating and for cooling, Um, And so, yeah, a lot of people look at dual fuel for uh, efficiency purposes. And if you're going to kind of go to a propane setup, then dual fuel totally makes sense right out the gate. But there's majority of everything out here in in Texas is uh, natural gas. 
So um, I don't do it for energy efficiency. I do it for flexibility and control and performance of my system that I'm installing. I see. Okay. So I'm picturing, I'm, t- I'm, I'm trying to picture this, how it's set up. Is it like uh, a gas fired furnace and then like a, a heat pump coil above it? Just kind of like a, a mm-hmm. traditional furnace and AC setup? Exactly. So think of just a uh, gas fired furnace with, uh, instead of having a straight cool condenser outside, it's just a heat pump. And the, uh, the coil just happens to be a biflow coil. So it's set up for heat pump. Okay. And is the heat pump the primary source of heat? It is. Yeah. Because okay. inver- inverter driven systems can produce heat, you know, way down to a, a lower ambient than traditional style heat pumps. So we utilize that for a majority of the season until, you know, there's lockouts you can put on the program it into the thermostat and basically tell it, hey, when, once you hit 30 degrees outside, go ahead and shut the heat pump off. We're going to revert back to to, uh, to gas heat. Okay. Um, how do you control like that? That was my next question. How do you control? Like, what are you using to control this? It's all communicating equipment. So it's super oh, it's easy, it's okay. super easy to control. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with it if it wasn't non-communicating just because there's a lot more controls. There's a lot more uh, trying to trying to kind of dial things in that aren't going to give you the, the real controllability that you're looking for. Um, yeah, you can get it to work. Right. But there's just a lot more kind of dialing things in that just makes more work. OK, so. Tell us the difference between a traditional thermostat setup and a communicating system. Well, the difference would be is that the communicating system is the thermostat is actually talking via software to the um, indoor unit and the outdoor unit, making adjustments uh, pretty much at any given time. Whereas the old school kind of not analog, they're still digital, but the old school kind of legacy style thermostat, if you will, is pretty much an on and off, right? It doesn't know any different. Um, which we don't use in zoning applications at all, um, which would make us, if we did, we'd have to use like bypass dampers and stuff like that, which I'm hundred percent not in agreement with. Um, and there's still people out there using them every day. We just, we just don't go down that road. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you say that. And I want to get to that. I'm actually going to write that down bypass dampers. So what brand of equipment are you mainly putting in for this style of system? Uh, for years and years I was using Linux. Um, okay. and we, back in June of, uh, 2021, we actually switched over to carrier. So everything that we install now is infinity. Is so. infinity. Okay. And, um, like what, I, I don't want to, like, if there's anything, any negative negativity or in there, you don't have to talk about that, but why did you make the switch from Linux to carrier? Uh, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, okay. it started with equipment availability. Mm-hmm. And um, Carrier has always been a second line for us, uh, but Linux was always my primary. And I mean, I, I bleed Linux, man. And you may or may not have known this about me. Uh, some people do, some people don't, is that I trained uh, for Linux for about four years. Yeah, I and did I know tra- that. Yeah. Yeah. Traveled the country and traveled to Canada teaching classes for Linux, uh, mostly sales classes, some technical classes for like technicians who sell and stuff like that. But basically educating guys like you and me on why you would want to sell high-end communicating equipment, uh, the perks to it, right? And uh, what the systems are capable of doing and not capable of doing. And um, and with all that, uh, there was a lot of kind of just things happening in the background that it was kind of like, I think maybe it's just time for me to walk away from Linux. And, and I did. And when I came to them and said, hey, um, I'm going to go ahead and 
cancel my premier dealership and this and that. And their response to me was pretty much like, okay. And I was like, really, you know, after everything we've been through and after, after all the, the stuff I've, I've helped you guys with and the, and the, you know, I just the relationships that were built, I just couldn't believe it that I was just kind of getting snubbed. So I just, they helped me make my decision. So I just walked away and went in uh, carrier and never looked back, man. Mm-hmm. And how are you finding the carrier infinity stuff? Are you finding it? It works well. It does what you need it to do. And the customers are happy with it. <laughs> so Linux made great hardware. Linux didn't make it to my knowledge still doesn't make super great software. So what I found is that carrier also makes great hardware, but carrier makes superior software. And when you're dealing with communicating equipment, the software is literally the brains of everything. And so if you have crap software driving your awesome unit, what's the point, right? You have to have, you have to have some, some robust software that's not going to glitch on you. Uh, to drive that system and actually make the system do what it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense. You want reliability because if you're cut, yeah, if you, I mean, when you put a system in and walk away, really, you don't want the customer to ever call you unless it's for maintenance. I mean, yeah, you do want to generate business and change parts here and there and stuff like that. That's how you run a business. But I mean, in a perfect world, you'd only show up when the maintenance is due and you never want to hear from them again. Like if, if, if that's what you did was just mainly install. I mean, let's say you did three, four installs a week. I mean, the last thing you want is somebody to call you in six months, say my system's not working. Yeah. Right. Cause it's a, you got to stop that install that you're on and go back and deal with that person. So in a roundabout way, you never want to hear from them again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what we were getting was with the, the S 30 thermostats on the Linux end. And I don't say this to beat them up at all, but this is just reality of, of the matter. Yeah. Um, is that the thermostats would like randomly cycle and like reset themselves and they would get stuck in like a rebooting mode. It, it was just 90% of the callbacks we would ever have on Linux equipment was because of the S 30 thermostats, which was my primary thermostat that I installed. I mean, I would say, 95% of everything I install is inverter driven systems. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of deal in the upper echelon of equipment. Um, so, you know, if you look at like traditional single stage, you know, digital Honeywell thermostats, like they're super reliable, right? Yeah. But there's only so much comfort you're going to get out of those guys. Yeah. And so when you get, when you deal with the higher end stuff, there's like way more detail involved of how to do a quality installation in order to get that unit to really do what it's supposed to do. And unfortunately, because of all those details, it just costs more money, you know? Yeah. So. No, it makes sense. And like, for instance, a communicating system versus like same tonnage, whatever, um, versus the, uh, just a traditional style setup. How much more are we talking dollars wise and like percentage? Uh, probably 10 to $12,000 more. Okay. So. That's, that's so you're, you're obviously going after higher end customers with this type of hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've really tried to, I've worked really hard to narrow down my clientele, right? Like I get guys, like I'm real close right now to start charging for estimates for replacement systems, because even still today, I still get people who will like stand me up at the door or, you know, like, oh, I forgot about our, our appointment. Well, if you paid me 150 bucks to show up, I guarantee you ain't going to forget yeah. You know, um, or you'll get people who be like, oh, I'm getting multiple bids. Right. And then, of course, you know, I know I know all the sales tricks and I can, you know, well, what are, what is it that you're trying to learn from three or four bids that you're not learning from me today? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, it always boils down to price. And so, 
you know, I just need the customer to say that so that way I can actually combat it. But it's not really anything until it comes out of their mouth of what the real objection is, right? So, mm-hmm. so with that, it's kind of like, okay, so do I want these tire kickers or do I want to kind of weed them out of the mix and say, hey, look, you know, here's our starting system start at this and this is why. And if that's okay with you, then let's continue our visit. And if not, then maybe I'm just not the right guy for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And some guys will beat me up and tell me that that's the completely wrong way to go. The reality is, dude, is I've been doing this long enough that I know who I want to be in this trade. Yeah. And uh, I do not want every customer that comes knocking on my door. Oh, oh, 100%. Yeah. When you get to a certain point, yes, um, you 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 build the customer base that you want to have, and then you stick with them. Um, To play devil's advocate for a minute here, like I've announced I'm going out on my own. I might have to take just these, like these little piddly jobs just just to get my name out there just to survive and then when i start to grow this is the kind of clientele that i want too because in the, the land of commercial with my employer who i'll be leaving in a week and a half i have high-end accounts i have pharmaceutical accounts i have server rooms and it's amazing to not be able to have to be nickel and dimed by your customer something's wrong okay fix it Okay, is it going to be more than five grand? Give me a quote, but as soon as you send it to me, I will sign it. Type thing, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's it's amazing dealing with that kind of customer base because you're never worried about lack of work. You're always going to have your main your equipment maintained as best as you can, and that prevents callbacks at the end of the day. And and so he, I think it's another convert. Go, go, go on, sorry. I say here's no, kind of on. a prime example, right? Is like uh, I just we just wrapped up a, a job. Uh, you may or may not have seen it on social media, but the, we diamond plate, the whole mechanical room and, mm-hmm. uh, the, the heat, this was a, a customer of mine who ended up kind of becoming a friend of mine over the years, but this is probably like the fourth or fifth job we've done for him in big jobs. And uh, I think the very first job I ever did for him was in 2017 and it was like almost $60,000. And I was like, man, I can't believe people just didn't walk away from this project. Like this project is freaking horseshit, you know? And, and they were like, they did. That's why we called you. And, you know, we kind of specialize in this ridiculous, right? And it's like, we've, we come across, if you ever watch any of my stories on Instagram, we come across some crazy stuff out here in Texas. It's like the wild mm-hmm. west out here for sure. But worse, than, last, worse than Florida, worse than Florida. <laughs> but this last job, um, I said, Hey, did you look over those options? You know? And, and he goes, ah, oh, no, I didn't. He goes, just put in whatever you think is going to be best. And I was like, well, I think you should really look at the options just to make sure you know what it is you want. And he's like, well, just do what you would do if it was your house. And I was like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, no, no worries. And I was like, I, I really feel more comfortable if you looked at it just so you know what the cost is. So at the end of the project, you're not like, holy shit, dude, where did this price come from? Right. Yeah. And he kind of chuckled and was like, dude, don't worry about it. Just do your thing. And I said, okay. So, and that job was close to 70 K. So, so man, buddy's buddy's got bank then. Oh, he has, yeah, dude, he's (laughs) rolling around in a private jet. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't blink, but it's those kind of relationships that you build with people that they just have this utmost confidence and trust in you where it's like, you know, there's, I mean, I could have told him, Hey, it's 130,000. He still would have went for it. Right. But at the end of the day, there's a trust factor there, right? He's knowing that I'm not reaming him, you know, and I actually gave him, I gave him like $7,000 off of what I would normally charge somebody just off the street because he keeps coming back to me and giving me these jobs, you know? JB Warranties, guys, we've talked about them for a few months now. They are there to help out 
you guys and your customer when the OEM warranty runs out. For example, if the warranty for the compressor is 10 years, but the customer wants a 15-year warranty on it, well, JB Warranties can step in at that 10-year mark and warranty it for another five. That's the service they provide. And their, their turnaround time on claims is 14 days, and the techs get paid to do this up to $300 an hour. So pretty cool stuff. So check out JB Warranties. Company Cam is another is another small business that launched and is growing massively because they help companies in all kinds of trades, especially HVAC, get organized. You know that if you're communicating with someone, a foreman, uh, a lead installer, your apprentices, whoever it is, you're trying to find pictures in your phone and stuff to email back and forth or text. Well, if you're using company cam, what happens is you create a job, you take all the pictures of anybody that's been there, all and all the information, not just pictures, videos, images, uh, voice memos, if you make text notes, they all stay in that same place. So anybody that has access to the company cam account for, for the company you're working for can access everything that's been done at that one specific place. So it's a good way to keep track of all your work, especially on a big install or, or history of a project through the course of time. So check out company cam as well. Guys, Testo has come out with a new scale. This thing is badass, the 560i. So basically, it's a smart scale, a smart charging valve that allows you to charge based on subcooling, target superheat, or weight through the, the Smart Probes app. Pretty cool stuff. So check out that scale online. And, and the feedback I'm getting on just the, just the concept of it is pretty cool. Trade Fox guys, Trade Fox has established a a great name for itself by taking technician invented tools and pushing them forward into the market by creating partnerships with a technician that invents the tool. So if you have an idea for a tool or if you have a prototype and you want to you want to work with Supco, there's a, an email, it's ideas at supcotradefox.com. So you send them an email out, you guys work together and if it's something you both like something you both agree on you can work towards that path refrigeration technologies guys i use wet rag to protect some valves yesterday when i was brazing and i haven't used wet rag in a while because i haven't done much brazing to, to be honest with you in the last little while and, and, and i just forgot how important it is to protect heat sensitive valves when you are heating them up brazing soldering whatever you're doing with them so check out wet rag from refrigeration technologies so wow yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to have that kind of customer base. And I think that's another conversation. That's what I was going to say earlier. I think this is a whole other conversation on how to generate the clientele that you want to go after. Because sure. I would love to talk to you about that, especially on, on that end of things. Uh, because I'm going to be trying to try in my hand at everything here right now. If somebody calls me to do something... If I think I can handle it, I'm going to go try it, right? And sure. and, and to, I'd love to get to the point to do these high-end homes and these $70,000 projects. I think it would be amazing, right? So um, that's, a, that's another conversation. But for sure, you're using dual fuel. You're using communicating systems. They're more, uh, I guess, precise in, in the fact that they're going to, they're going to, they're going to match the load in the home better than just an on-off type system. But you're using it because you're running um, zones. So tell us about the zone systems that you run. 
so we zone a lot, you know, for yeah. many years on the, for many years dealing with Linux here in Austin, I would always say that I'm the king of zoning here in town because I take two systems in a house and chunk them down to one, right. Or I'll take three systems and drop them down to two. <clears throat> I'll take a, a system that has a two story house with one thermostat and I'll chop it up and put zones in it and do upstairs and downstairs. Um, I always just, I always try to tackle these jobs as if like, well, what if this was my house? What would I want it to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I pitch that to a homeowner and, and they're like, wow, nobody's ever talked to me about that. And so we go to these jobs and we basically zone them out. But what I need to do is I need to know how many zones I'm doing. I got to do my manual J's. I got to know how much CFM I'm rolling through these things. I got to make sure that the ductwork is sealed. Um, <clears throat> and then, once we get the zoning stuff set up, we get everything dialed in where now we can independently control, right? But I need that unit to be able to dial itself back if we're only operating half of the house. So when you go back to bypass dampers, right, you get these zone, these zone let's say you got a four-ton system in a house, right? You, you guys probably don't even have four-ton units in Canada, but, you know, out here in Texas four and five ton units on a house and you zone them out. Well, now you're cramming four or five ton of air down half the amount of ductwork, And they go, Oh, don't worry. I got a bypass damper on it. And it's just like, dude, you are going to kill the life of that system by using that bypass damper. And so what I tell homeowners is like, look, we can zone all day long, but we have to get into equipment that's properly capable of actually zoning. So if I see a system, single stage unit with a bypass damper on it and you zoned it right away, I'm like, there's nothing I can do for you, man. There's no dialing in. There's just, we're going to replace it. That's just all there is to it because it just wasn't done right from the get-go. So I've seen zone dampers used a lot in commercial. Like what, what is it that you don't like about them? Like what, what is it? Uh, about bypass dampers? Yeah. Bypass dampers. Yeah. They're, they're just inefficient and they're, they're extremely stressful on the equipment and mostly because they're never set up right from the get-go. You know, the weights are never done right. Like the concept of, of a bypass damper is great. And when we didn't have any other choice on equipment, that was the only option, right? It's better than not using a bypass damper. But reality is, is now we just know better. And now the technology is there for us to do away with them. And so mm -hmm. I just feel like with bypass dampers are antiquated. Um, they're never set up right. And they're just, you know, you're just taking cold air and making it colder. Like that doesn't really make any sense. So having a unit that's capable of dialing itself back for whatever zone is calling, like, doesn't that just make more sense? I mean, everything in our life is varying, right? When you jump in your car, you only push the throttle to what you need. When you cook on the stove, you only adjust the flame to whatever it is you're cooking. I mean, why would our, why would our air conditioner be any different? I mean, think about this. 1990 air conditioners in cars are smarter than the system in your home. That's a mm -hmm. problem. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the bypass dampers you were seeing, were they just dumping into a space or were they actually bypassed back into the, the supply? They're just bypassed from the supply right back into the return. Right back into the return. Okay. Yep. Cause I've also seen them. I guess it would be a barometric relief where it's not actually That's a bypass. It it's, it's, it's just a barometric relief that dumps into a, an open space. It is. It's a barometric bypass damper. That's what they yeah. call them out here. So, okay, cool. Now, if you were going to so, use a dump zone, that would be better than a bypass damper. But yeah. still now you're dumping a bunch of cold air into a zone that's probably already satisfied, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that's 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 the thing. 
So with the the communicating systems, so what you're saying is if you want to, let's say, let's do a basic upstairs, downstairs. So if the the downstairs or that the ground floor is cool, right? And then the upstairs still warm, we're going to, we're going to close down the, the supplies to the, the downstairs and then keep the supplies open and the equipment adjusts to that. So it ramps down. Correct. Based on yeah. demand from the thermostat and runtime and algorithms and however the software operates. But and this the, is all done done through the communicating stat. Correct. And the cool thing about the carrier infinity stuff is that the mo- the dampers are actually modulating. So they'll, you know, open a little bit or open all the way and it's all based on like static pressure that the basically the motor is sensing uh whereas on the Linux end they don't have a, a modulating damper system. It's just the dampers open up all the way and you have a pre kind of a predetermined CFM if you will for that zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can, d- you can dial in that CFM for that zone. So if your manual J comes in and says, Hey, upstairs requires 650 CFM, you just tell the thermostat you, when that upstairs zone is calling by itself, you need that blower motor to run at 650 CFM. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's crazy. I, I really, I really like, um, hearing about this stuff because like the, the zoning systems that I've seen are so clunky. It's just like a damper opens close with a bypass or the, the, the barometric dump in, into a space like the like the maybe if the air handler's in a closet, it just dumps into the closet. Right. Yeah. Like it's but equipment that's smart enough to ramp up and down when the dampers are opening or closing, that just sounds like so awesome to install and work on and, and just that the project from start to finish would sound like a a very cool project. Like how long do these projects take? Like, do they take a little bit longer because we're installing a bypass job. dampers and, and running, running net wiring and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, a zoning job will typically take about two days, maybe three at the most. Uh, just depends if I'm, you know, it just depends on how hard it is to run stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And it depends on how many guys I have on the job site. So, um, you know, our installs, like the average company will be like, Oh, we're in and out by like noon. And I'm like, dude, you can't, you just can't, I, I, people try to argue with me all the time. And I'm like, I just have a hard time seeing how you're doing a quality install in, in four hours, dude. I just, I don't buy it. I just don't buy yeah. it. Yeah. So a, a regular install for us is either an all day project or it'll linger into a day and a half. So, uh, because we're replacing plenums, both return and supply, we're yep. putting in, you know, new collars on the, on the plenums with manual dampers that we can control if we're not zoning. Um, you know, dialing all this stuff in and, you know, keeping our proper distances on the plenums and static pressure, refrigerant charge, all this stuff. Right. So there's, just a lot of detail that goes into these jobs where it's like, how can you possibly do all that in four hours? I just, it just, I, I don't buy it. I just don't buy yeah. it. Yeah. It's, so. Yeah. I actually have, uh, my first job when I leave my company here is going to be a residential job. And I'm thinking in my head how long this is going to take me. I'm like, I think this is going to take me like three days because I'm going to do it by myself. Because I mean, the, the guy that the guy that owns the home, the couple that owns the home, they're, they're friends of ours. And um, if he was around, he'd help me because he's a carpenter and he's good with tools in his hands and all that. And, but he's he's gone to work at he's gone at like 630. He's not home to like six, seven at night, uh, framing houses. And um, I'm going to do this on my own. So I'm doing an AC. I'm doing a humidifier and I, I got to change out the, the illegal or not up to code, uh, venting for, uh, the high efficiency furnace. It's got ABS and it should be, 
a 636 style, right? And I'm going to use that Inoflu stuff um, by Centrotherm. Yep. I don't know if you've heard of it. It just oh, yeah. kind of snaps into place. Yep. So I figure all this and the ceiling's drywalled in the basement. I'm like, oh man, there's, there's a cavity I can run some pipes through with some holes cut in it. But I figure like me doing this on my own and I'm replacing the return drop and pulling out the old humidifier that's there, the old drum style. I figure it's going to take me like two to three days on my own to do this job because I am going to take my time and uh, because I don't have to pay anybody else I, and I'm doing it on my own. I'm just going to chill. I'm going to take my time and, and try to do as, as quality stuff as I can. Now I suck at sheet metal. Now that'll probably <laughs> be a few hours on its own of me trying to put together some sheet metal. Um, so if learn. I was good at that, I You're could probably learn today. Cut. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to learn it. Trust me. I'm going to learn it the hard way. I'm just going to get thrown at it. Anyway, so I see what you're saying, and I've seen those comments where you get online and some guy's like, yeah, we, we, we install, like, an AC in, in three, four hours, like, no problem. I'm like, how? Like, how are you doing that and, and doing a good job? <coughs> well, you know reality, I mean? reality is, is that I can do a job in two or three days, make the same amount of money as you do in four or five jobs in a week because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm building more value in the job and charging accordingly for it. Right. So I can do two jobs and make the same amount of money in a week than you doing four or five jobs. So for me, in my perspective, it's like, I would rather slow down, mm -hmm. hone, hone my craft, uh, yep. and, and, and leave a product behind that people can come back and go, Holy crap, these guys did an amazing job because what's going to get you referrals in your business. Right. That or somebody coming in and going, dude, these guys freaking did shitty work, man. You know? Yeah. So, or, or your unit failing in three or four or five years and now you got to buy another one. Well, it wasn't such a great deal if you got to buy it twice. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, and, um, you do load calcs on this stuff too? Do we do manual J's on this stuff? Yep. Okay. So I, I always get confused with the manual J's and the manual D's because I, I've never, because it's a U.S. thing mainly and, and I've never really studied them. So, I got into, and I'm, gl I'm glad you said that you did the, I, when you said manual J, I figured that's what it was, is load calcs. So I did a little experiment uh, with a local design company here. So I went to this house and um, I measured, we, we just did a block load calculation on it. We okay. didn't do like a crazy, like room by room thing. Sure. We just did a, we just did a block load and um, the house was like 1200, 1300 square feet. It's a small house. It's a bungalow with a basement, just the one story with a basement. And the furnace inside of it, it's a 60,000 BTU furnace. And the dude wants an AC. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call my buddy, Michael. Um, so I actually give him a shout out because he, he did this for me in, in like a day or so. Uh, McCallum design. I, I got to look that up. I'll look it up while I talk. Um, so... I reached out to him. I'm like, can you give me a load calc on this house? Because I really want to know what it is for, for my interest sake, for education's sake. And so I could show other people, Hey, this is why you got to do these load calcs. So the, I think the, um, let me go to my email, Ben, and, I, and I'll tell you exactly what the, the heat and cooling load was. I'm going to safely assume, well, maybe not so much in Canada, but safely assume that the heater was way too big for the space. That's typically the way it is out here in Texas anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so McCallum HVAC Design. I couldn't remember the foot, the proper name of their business. McCallum HVAC Design. They're they're in Brampton here locally. And if anybody's looking for design, um, these guys these guys have been in business forever. Um, so he does load calc for me. Oh man, it's in another. It's in my Google Drive. Twelve hundred square foot house. Now, I've heard people say like a a, thou, a ton per thousand square feet or whatever people the rules of thumb they use. So, at the bottom here, we got a a heat gain of twelve thousand nine hundred and forty nine. Uh, BTUs and we've got a heat loss. So that, remember we got a 60,000 BTU furnace in the house. Right. The heat loss is just under 35,000. So the, the furnace is way oversized in the house. Right. Just, just now as an experiment, now that I've seen that and I can share it with other people, this is why it's so important to have these, these done. And, and is the customer going to pay for it all the time? Maybe, maybe not. If you have the high end customers like you, then you throw it into your into your jobs because the job's expensive already. What's another few hundred bucks? Well, right. But f- for the people on a budget, they might not go for it. Correct. But I think it doesn't have to be like you have to have this really well off client, right? For somebody to yeah. spend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on an air conditioner, it's yeah. it's your job as the as the HVAC professional, right? Like. I think as a in our industry, there's just a, a lack of a huge lack of uh, education, and and either what I found with HVAC guys who running around calling themselves professionals and experts, they either don't know or they don't care, and I don't know which one is worse. Quite honestly, if you're running around claiming to be a professional and an expert at what you do, so I think that you have to educate yourself because how in the world are you going to educate a consumer if you can't even educate yourself? Mm-hmm. And once you build enough value and you educate a client, then they can make the best decision possible for what's good for them and their family, not letting you make that decision for them, right? If they mm-hmm. decide they don't want to do a manual J, if they decide they don't care, they just want to replace exactly what they have, well, all those problems that they said that they wanted to fix isn't going to get fixed. So yeah. they're essentially signing off saying, I don't care about any of this stuff. I just want it done cheap. And then you're mm-hmm. not you're not held liable for that because they signed off on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've I actually had a discussion with Alex Meany about this. He yeah. he's a trainer for, or was a trainer is. for Rightsoft. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I brought that up to him, and uh, he was like, "No." <laughs> he's like, "As a professional, it's your job to do it." And I'm like, "But what if the customer's not going to pay you for it?" He's like, "No, uh, it, as a professional, it's your job to include these." Well, here's right? and the caveat to that, right? Like, yeah. you starting your business, you might say, "Hey, I, I get it. I'm going to go ahead and do it for you, even though I don't think it's the right way to do it." But you're going to sign mm-hmm. off on it. For mm-hmm. me, in my position now, I'll say, "I'm not willing to do that," and they'll yeah. say, "Well, why not?" So you're refusing my work, and I go, "Yeah, absolutely, I am. If you're refusing to do the job the right way, I don't want to put my name on that." Yeah. And so, you know, I get it when you're starting off, you got to do, you got to do stuff like that. And, and even people have been in the business for 20 years, they're still doing stuff like that. Right. Cause that's just who they've decided that they want to be. But again, mm-hmm. I know who I want to be in this business and I want to do things the right way. And unfortunately doing the things the right way costs money. So, yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to the almighty dollar. And I think, it, so with these projects i know some people have the cash like the dude that was driving around or flying around on the uh the private right. jet but d- does anybody use financing plans for these sure. projects yeah sure absolutely yeah i mean most of our clients i would say probably 
75% of our clients probably just cut a check or put it on a credit card. Um, but the other 25% are like, hey, do you have financing? I go, yeah, I can get you special terms, 0% financing. Just depends on what system that you want to go with, right? And I always give better terms on the better systems, which kind of helps people lean in that direction. They go, hey, look, I can get 60 months, 0% if I go with a top of the line, you know, inverter driven system. So, so you're doing the financing on your own. No, no, I oh. have a third third party company. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I, that's what I was confused about because you were you're saying that you give people zero percent financing on the on the better systems. Like, how do you set that up with the the financial institution? So, for many years, I used a company called Service Finance, who is pretty much uh, embedded with uh, Linux. Right, you get special incentives and buybacks and all kinds of stuff. So, they'll basically like buy down some percentages for you, if you will. So, Service Finance is a great, uh, I think it's svcfin.com. Um, mm -hmm. if you, if you don't offer financing, they're a fantastic company to work with. They have really high approval rates. Um, obviously everything is based on approved credit, right? Um, uh, but they have like second look programs where if somebody gets declined, they'll go back and they'll do like a second look and say, Hey, here's what we can do. If you can give me X amount of money down, we can get this thing going, but they offer things like, 0% for 25 months, 36 months, 48 months, even up to 72 months, um, just depends on the system, right? Now there's a fee for all that. So you have to make sure you build that into your overall cost. Uh, so that way you're not taking the hit on that because 0% financing is like 15%. So they take 15% right off the top. So you got to make sure you build that into your job. And then if they say, Hey, well, I'm not going to finance. Well, then guess what? You get a better deal on your, on your project because you're not using financing. So, so the institution takes 15% off the total cost of the job for that particular program. So for 0% okay. for 60 months. Yeah. Every, okay. every, uh, term rate is a different, uh, is a different percentage. So like you can get somebody gotcha. like 9.99% for 144 months. There's no fee for that, right? The company, the, uh, finance company is making money on these guys for the next 12 years financing this gig. Yeah. So, okay. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to ask you this. We'll, we'll end it off like this. This has been a cool conversation and we could talk forever, man. Just, just one of these types of conversations, but you're using dual fuel and you're using natural gas. There's, there's a big push to get rid of natural gas or what do you feel about that? Do you feel like you're I going to transition gas, into yeah. uh, electric, electrical heating for backup or like what's your plan there? I love natural gas. I think it's a great heat. It's an instant heat. You just can't beat it. Um, but when you, like you mentioned earlier, right? Like most furnaces down here. So let me put this in perspective for you. A five ton system out here on, it can have like anywhere between a 90 to 110,000 BTU furnace, right? So the five ton air conditioner is only 60,000 BTU. So you're telling me that my, my heater is twice the amount, almost twice the amount of BTUs as my air conditioner in a climate that really doesn't even need any heat, right? Mm -hmm. So we have very little to do or very little say-so on the matchups that come from the manufacturer, right? The, ma the manufacturer handles all those matchups. So you kind of have to do your due diligence and say, hey, can I maybe get like a 70,000 BTU on a five-ton system, right? Probably not. 90,000 is probably the least you're going to be able to go. So we want to at least get that furnace into a two-stage operation, but then we go dual fuel with it. So now we can heat with variable modulating compressors and only use the gas heat when the temperatures dip really low where we could actually utilize 
you know, 70,000 BTUs of that 90,000 BTU heat. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. No, no, it, it, it does. I, I've just seen a lot of, uh, I, th- I think it was somebody told me last week that Washington State was, they said they got to get rid of all of their gas appliances. So. There's a big push, man. I mean, I I just, if it, if it is going to happen, it's going to take a long time for it to happen, especially here in Texas. Um, you know, Texas is a big oil producing state and a big natural gas producing state. I just can't see it. I can't see it going anywhere for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there, there, there is the the big push though. And how is how is the prices for natural gas? Have they been steady or are they rising with they're rising all the BS a little that's bit. going on in the world? Honestly, I I don't have natural gas in my own personal home, so I don't watch the prices. Um, I, I happen the home I live in happens to be all electric, uh, okay. but I am getting ready to pipe in natural gas piping from the street. So okay, uh, and I will go dual fuel just because you know for. Here's, here's a prime example why you would want a 115-volt furnace in your house. I'm sure you guys heard that Texas had that freak-out storm that Canada probably sees on a pretty regular basis. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you get one icicle in this city, in the city of Austin, and the whole town freaks out. They don't know what to do. And so all these people, some people died in their home because they froze to death. Some people went and sat in their garage with their car started and died in their car because oh, of carbon monoxide geez. poisoning. I mean – This is people don't use common sense, right? Because they're not educated in simple things in life. And so because the power was out on their house, people had people went out and bought emergency generators and they plugged in their refrigerators, which I don't know why you would need that if your house is frozen, but whatever. Um, You know, they plugged in little bitty space heaters if you could even find them because the stores were all sold out. But imagine if you had a furnace that was 115 volt natural gas and all you had to do was unplug it from the outlet and plug it into an extension cord to a generator. Now all of a sudden you just brought your entire heater back to life and now you're heating up your entire home. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds for guys like me and you, you're like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Right. The average person doesn't think about this stuff. So now knowing that we've been through like two of these storms now that are just ridiculously cold and people freak out. When I go into homes, I talk about this kind of stuff. Like this is why you might want to keep your gas heater. This is why you might want to have a, uh, a cord plugged into an outlet instead of having just a switch that goes on and off. So mm-hmm. different things like this, because that average homeowner is not going to rewire their furnace to put a cord on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny you said plug in your furnace to your generator because we've had a couple of storms here, not necessarily winter, but windstorms. Uh, thunderstorms, whatever. But I remember this in the winter specifically, my neighbor that used to live uh, next door to me, he had a generator. And what we would do is uh, he would run, he would have this cord, it was male and male, which is totally illegal to have a male and male cord, right? He would plug it into his house, right? I'd turn off my circuit breaker downstairs in the basement, plug it into my house, and it would liven up one side of the panel. Depends which plug you put it into so we would find and i think it was luckily enough it was a side of the panel that would run the furnace so basically he had power at his house um we turn off all the lights and make sure like we weren't trying to pop pop his breaker over at his at his place and just plug it in once side of the panel was live i shouldn't be saying this because somebody might try this and burn down down their house the disclaimer, the, disclaimer. It, it's what we it's what we did um in a pinch just to to get the house back warm again run a coffee machine or, or you know what i mean just to make a yep. coffee or, or something like that and it worked but 
it was one of those you got to do what you got to do type. But the average but. person's not doing that, right? So you no. almost have to, as a professional, you have to do the thinking for them. And you have to say, hey, look, if you ever get into a pinch, here's kind of a quick remedy for that, right? Like you're mm-hmm. smart enough to unplug this and plug it into an extension cord. I give you that, right? But yeah. you're, you're not smart enough to put a male to a male and power up half of your panel and figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it was interesting. Anyway, man, this this has been a, a great conversation. Like we could go on forever. Like we really got to have this conversation next about how to build <clears throat> the clientele that you want. Like go after these... Uh, these people that have the money to spend on good installations, good service, awesome equipment, right? Those are the kind of customers that you want to go after. And I think we should talk about that next. For sure. Awesome, man. So thank you very much, Ben. I appreciate your time tonight, man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on, man. We'll see you. So that was really great catching up with Ben and getting him on the podcast. For the first time, he's definitely going to be invited back because he's got a lot of knowledge and he's got that positive vibe going and he can really give a lot to this industry through something like a podcast or the audience is engaged and wants to learn. So I got to appreciate what you do, Ben, out there and and good on you doing these these jobs for the high-end customers and and not taking anything less. I, I think that's amazing that you're striving for more and not just settling. So great job, man. Thanks, Ben. But we're out, guys. Thank you, the Master Group, once again. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.